I met you, I think, in 2016 at Headingley. Um, and that was when we met first because you did the cricket tees for the, well, the first competition of the Champion Club. I think it was the semi-finals. Um, and you make quite, quite the impression. Now, you're probably used to this, but... Um, yeah, I mean, there were lots of people that day, including me, who said it was the best cricket cricket tea they'd ever had. Um, I know, and you know, this, we're talking serious stuff. Anyone who reads my website knows that uh, I know a thing or two about cricket teas. Um, it's um, yeah, it was just kind of home baking galore, and what you did was kind of seriously impressive. So, um. I was curious kind of how you started because um, when we met last in 2019 you shared a sort of story around how you got into baking I think you possibly mentioned ill health or, or some sort of change yeah, that's true. Yeah, could yeah, you yeah. tell us a bit about that yes well I mean I started off um, when I was a student um, I shared a house the races in a house and I was the person that did all the cooking I've never had cooking lessons I mean, I was a girls' grammar school in the Latin stream, so I never did anything really as a young person. Okay. But I ended up starting to cook um, when I was a student. We paid two, I mean, talking about the early 1970s, 250 a week, and I had to feed eight people for a week on that. So wow. I got used to kind of catering for large numbers. Sunday lunch we had every week, and friends came around. And then, you know, when we had the kids, I always did home baking, I baked bread, but I was never that kind of enthusiastic really I just did it because it was cheaper and quicker and I preferred it yeah. and then of course when Doug started I was, my son Doug started playing cricket and Chris my husband started playing cricket at 40 uh, because Doug was playing um, I started getting on the road just to do cricket club teams yeah. so once I started doing that because everything was homemade people would say did you make that yourself? And you said, well, yes, <laughs> as if it was something, you know, incredible that I was somebody who did um, home baking. So that's what started it off, and that went along to, I got to, um, I was 51, Yeah. and I had a brain hemorrhage, which was horrific. Um, wow, okay. My family, yeah, my family were called into the hospital twice. Um, because they didn't think I was going to survive. I was in for three months. Anyway, I got out. You know, yeah. absolute blessing, really. And a fantastic neurosurgeon who saved my life, and the NHS were amazing. But I couldn't walk, and I couldn't talk, and I couldn't read. So all of these skills have gone. Yeah. Um, I've got a very determined daughter, a fantastic, supportive family, who, you know, you are going to read, you are going to write, you are going to walk. So I, you know, got out and thought, well, you know, how do I get on with my life? Now clearly I had to retire. Um, so I found myself at home thinking, well, you know, I couldn't read, I couldn't remember anything. So I thought, well, I'd start baking again. So I okay. went into the kitchen and got out my B-roll book. Um, because my memory for reading anything, if I read a sentence, I hadn't got a clue what I'd read, you know, 10 seconds later. Yeah. So I started to bake, started making cakes again, and, you know, oh, have I put sugar in? Oh, have I put eggs in? But I could taste it and work it out. And really, I did it as a kind of 
therapist to try and make my memory work again. Yeah. So that's how I started baking again. Um, and I had a lot of time on my hands. I wasn't teaching anymore. So so I started doing more and more. You know, I was doing Christmas club teas at North Allen, and then people were saying, oh, can you do them for, you know, we're having a, a, a do, can you, you know, cricket evening or something, can you do it? And that's how I really got into it. So it's wow. sort of enthusiasm, That's... really. Yeah, so, uh, and it is, I mean, it's it's certainly grown since then, hasn't it? Because you've been doing teas, um, presumably at Darlington, for years now, haven't yes, you? Yes, yes, yeah. Well, Doug went there, I think, in 2008, and he was the pro there for a few years, no longer, but he was, and I just did them all then. And I just stayed there, really. You know, you get kind of asked to go back and... The rotor collapsed, you know, when I, when I was doing it, nobody else wanted to do it. So, so yes, so I've been having Darlington teas right up until the lockdown. And obviously, this year has been very different. You know, people are still taking the sandwich, but yeah, yeah, so that was that. So, that's how I got into it. But I think news travels fast and you just get asked to go and do, you know, various things for the for the league yeah which i've done right the way through but i mean i enjoy it and it's actually quite therapeutic and in some ways after i'd been operated on they reckon 20 percent of my memory had been my brain had been destroyed okay so it, what what what's happened is really i've compensated with other parts of my brain the bits that aren't working properly um I've compensated with other parts of my brain, and I know the neurosurgeon that I saw a while after the operation, about six months after the operation, said he was absolutely staggered that I'd managed to compensate for the bits that weren't working. So, but still, even now, you know, when I'm taking up to put the timer on, yeah, because if I walk out of the kitchen, go into another room, I'll completely forget that I've got cakes in the oven. Okay. So if I don't put a timer on. The next thing I know is there's a smell coming from the kitchen, you know, it's a burning. So, yeah, um, yeah. so but, it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of forced me really into getting involved in something where I've got to, you know, use my brain. I think when you retire, you can't go back to the job you had. It's nice to have something that, you know, that challenges you, yeah. which is why I love doing it. You know, I, I really enjoy doing it. And that's it, really. And what's it been like since COVID hit? Because um, I was, <laughs> I was kind of distraught when clubs couldn't do teas again. Because I'm not just because I'm incredibly greedy, but um, it, for me, it, food and that break in between innings is a key part where everyone comes together, yeah, socialises, yeah. and you know, yeah. some people go yeah. after a game because they've got other commitments, but during yeah. the game. Yeah. It kind of binds no, everyone I, together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it, it, it is part of the social implication of cricket. I think if you get, and you, I mean, I get an awful lot of that. Darlington, for example, I'll feed far more spectators and players. Yeah. You know, and, it, and you get a lot of people in, and it's very social. You know, sit after they've had the tea and have a beer. Or, and, of course, it's bringing more trade into the club. People sure. Having a, a beer and what have you there. Or a, a couple, and uh, yeah, no, I mean it's really quite, uh, it's quite, it's a shame, and I really hope that it all comes back. Whether it will or not, I don't know, because I think some clubs find now that 
because they haven't put teas on for a couple of years, they can't get anybody to do it. I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of clubs that really can't find anybody. Yeah. Um, so I think they're just maintaining it the way it is, where, you know, bring a sandwich or do without. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because when I... Uh, I do Twitter quite a lot, and so when I this all broke, one of the strands obviously was was talking about um, cakes and, and food and stuff, and yeah. um, I sort of s- assumed that actually most people would would see it as a bad thing, but a, a probably fifty fifty yeah. split. A lot yeah, of clubs going, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I don't have to do it. I don't have to pay. Yeah. I don't have to think yeah. about it. It's another job for me yeah. to do. No one else will do yeah. it. All this stuff. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you will get some clubs that will go back to the way it was, but I think you'll get some that won't. And I think the problem is once you get into, for example, in the NYSD, it's the Premier League, yeah. you're going to have to have the same thing right across the board. You can't just say, well, this club will, this club won't. No. I think they're going to have to have a decision made whether it's done or not. So, I mean, they may become obsolete. Who knows? You know, it'd be a real shame if, it, if they were. Um, yeah, I, I think, know, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I know Chris, you know, my husband was the captain at Thorpe Perrow, which is absolutely glorious. I don't know if you've ever been No, there. I've never been. Oh, it's absolutely glorious. It's Thorpe Perrow Hall. It's the Arboretum is there, and they and they cricket ground is in the middle of it. And they, um, you know, it, it's just so beautiful. And we always used to do teas there, and it was so English. You know, yeah. you'd sit there on a Sunday afternoon and... Beautiful, and everybody enjoyed the tea and the cups of tea. And it was very kind of English. It was very sociable. You've got a lot of people coming around to watch, and it's such a shame that that went really. Yeah. Has it been at Darlington then? So, have you been able to do cricket teas in any way, shape, or form? Or because obviously a lot of cricket clubs chose not to. um, Yeah. But just all the hoops you jumped through. Yeah, um, and and in the meantime, obviously you've got a a feast for this weekend, which is Woodlands um, against Castleford at Headingley. Um, we were chatting before this um, interview earlier around the kind of prep for that, because obviously being a county ground, um, there's different requirements on there for COVID in yeah, terms of wearing yeah. masks and and just yeah. and, you know doing all you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this shouldn't happen. But Doug played for the MCC last week at Lords. He was in the final of the T20, the MCC T20. So he went down to Lords. He was there for the day. They actually won, so that was not a bad day for him, really. Yeah. They were all together. They all went in the pavilion to eat together. All the spectators ate together outside in a marquee. And I think, well, what is the difference between that and Yorkshire? Yeah, I get. There could be reasons for it. I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. 
makes it quite difficult, I think, really. It, yeah, it is difficult. Um, yeah, it is. And I imagine ultimately without checking, I don't know what the the current rules are, but everyone interprets it differently in terms of whether you go probably a bit more severe or, or not. Um, but it, yeah, I suppose it's, for me, I'm not going to be there on Saturday, but I have fond memories of um, 2019 and, you know, you produce this magnificent food that everyone appreciates and then some of the spectators get it. And Well, I know, I know, you're going to feel like, um, you know, you're in a hotel or something. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not quite sure about how it's going to work. Well, I have actually, because Chris West did send me an email through to tell me, you know, this is how it's going to work. Well, so yeah. I shall abide by the rules. Oh, nonsense. Yeah. You're in charge of the tea. They abide by your <laughs> rules. Let's get that straight, straight away. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, if somebody wants something, they might have to go from one floor to another, you know. But they're not allowed to, so, oh, well. I mean, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, every cricket club needs a Sue Mulholland, in my humble view. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh, you're so kind. <laughs> no. I mean, what is nice, actually, it is lovely. I mean, I, I love baking and I do it for lots of different reasons. Yeah. But it is so lovely when somebody says something nice like that to you. It is so nice when somebody says, oh, that's a really lovely piece of cake. Can I have the recipe? Yeah. And I mean, some people would turn around and say, oh, no, because I didn't make it. You know, but I could say, oh, yes, you can have the recipe. Yes, you can. So, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you yeah. need to do your own cookery TV programme or yeah, cookery do, book. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, yeah, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been lovely, um, well, to meet you and um, in the past. And while I can't, unfortunately, get there on Saturday, um, fingers crossed that next year is, I won't say normal because, well, who knows what normal is, but um, hopefully we can get back to cricket tees and all the joy that it brings, really. Yes, indeed, and it will be lovely to see you again. And I'll create another cake just you. Oh blimey, that's that's got me <laughs> thinking now. That's exciting, genuinely. But um, well, whoever manages to uh, eat your crickety on the weekend uh, will probably be raving about it. I, I, it's funny because I think the first year you did one at Headingley, um, I don't know if you use social media, but there were sort of videos on Twitter and all sorts, you know, yeah, sort of going, oh. Well, that's that's um, yeah, that's not a problem at all. But uh, I use it for cricket Yorkshire, and um, it uh, it was quite funny to see people uh, raving about this food. And and in fairness, I don't want to get anyone else in trouble at Headingley now, but uh, I seem to remember people, the staff, sort of saying, "Wow, this is quite extraordinary food for even county level." So. <laughs> Um, they always take anything left over at the end. I always take plenty of doggy bags for them to put food in. So I know, I no, they, I know. I think they, they managed to feed themselves for a week after I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I remember that actually. They're because lovely. Yeah. yeah, they're lovely. They're lovely in the staff at Edmund. They're always so helpful and so kind. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. So, Thanks. yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be interested to see what it's like when I get there. But, uh, I've um, got to have my first COVID test. Never had one. Haven't you? So, 
as in as in the yeah sticking the um thing down your yeah. mouth and all that no, yeah yeah, Doug's bringing them round to see the teacher, and he gets Smith's school, so he's bringing them round to see. I think, oh, God, so, yeah, that'll be exciting. I know, exciting. Let's hope I'm, I'm negative, that's all I can say. Well, yeah, Otherwise, exactly. I'll be eating. <laughs> I know, someone's going to dash out to McDonald's, it won't quite be the same. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like McDonald's, that's it. When it's real food, you enjoy it more. So, never enjoy sticking eggs, Do you, um... Do you enjoy other people's baking? Yes. Do you? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I do. But I'm, I mean, I enjoy people's food far more than mine. I mean, I, I think that's the way it goes. I think you just, everything you make yourself, you know how it's made. You get, you know, you enjoy, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy, you know, when it comes out and it hasn't, you know, flattened itself and it should be risen and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, we, Chris and I eat our loads, you know. I mean, yeah. not, we don't eat them posh places or anything like that we just you know but um yeah much and really prefer people's food to mine yeah oh. yeah yeah i mean i mean i did lunch this sunday for this happens nearly you know all the time during the winter really most sundays i'll do sunday lunch at 11 i think on sunday okay. and i don't eat any of this you know everybody else eats this and it was roast beef and, you know but you look at it and say, if i went to somebody else's house i'd clear the table and well, it might come as a bit of a shock to my wife, but um, I'll be at yours on Sunday lunch. So uh, yeah, if you could just, you just uh... <laughs> all during lockdown, I meals on wheels, and it's the first time I've ever bought a sack of flour. Okay. Yeah, during lockdown, it's the first time I've ever bought a sack of flour. Well, actually, I got into baking um, more than I used to. Not. Uh, obviously your standard but um and we there seemed to be a shortage at one point of flour i couldn't get flour for love nor money so i I wanted to bake and uh do all this stuff but um that was the first lockdown when you know we were all sort of trying to wrap our heads around being at home and it was a weird time did you do you come up with um kind of new recipes or do you have like favorites that you use I know I can make very, I mean, like this evening, I'm going to make two chocolate cakes and some scones. You know, that's what I'm going to do tonight because they're dead easy and dead quick. But then other times I'll try, I mean, I don't watch baking programs or anything like that. Do you? No, never, ever, ever, ever. Why is that? I watch is, don't know, I'm not interested. It's not interested, okay. No, not really. The only one I like is Delia Smith's Christmas from about 1980. I watch that every year and that's it. It's a bit like, you know, at the end of the day, um, what you serve is the showstopper. You don't get, no one else gets to see, a bit like my articles, 
um, all the rubbish or and the near you know the failures or things no. that don't make the cut. You know that's no. that's fine. I that's to Chris or Doug or my daughter Laura and their family and the grandkids. You know if it's a bit of a sunken cake, they'll eat it anyway. You know it tastes um, okay. Yeah, it yeah. Look good, but uh, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. in terms of your, um, I suppose this is a nosy question, but your your health now. Um, it, you know, it was really interesting earlier you talking about the kind of therapeutic side to baking, uh, which a lot of people say anyway, but particularly in your case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, um, how is that now, kind of at the moment? You uh, say well, but um, are you stable, I suppose is perhaps the word? Um, and are you coping yeah. in terms of your baking and everything else? Does it, yeah, it sort of help? Yeah, Really? 10, 15 years. Oh, enormously, enormously. I mean, I, I can't tell you what I was like 15 years ago, you know, when I could barely speak. And I mean, my daughter's kept a book of, of phrases that I used when I was trying to tell them something. And I mean, absolutely farcical when I look at it. I'm almost going to say that for, you know. But no, I mean, I think now I'm aware of the things that I can't do. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I can't do is if I'm out driving, I've got my sense of direction is gone. Okay. Now, when I started my career, I was a cartographer, so I drew maps. So now, <laughs> I've no sense of direction. I've got to So yeah, exactly. You don't need so, yeah. So you think, why can't my brain do that? You know. And there's nothing I can do. I can't, you know, I can't really do anything about that. I've just got to, I, if I go somewhere, I try and remember how did I get there and I can't remember. Uh, so these, I mean, they're very frustrated, but you've got to live with them. Yeah, you do. To be honest, John, mm. when you've been in that sort of situation, when you are, when me, not with us, every single day is a blessing. The sure. fact that my sense of direction has gone doesn't matter because I now have sat now, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, apart from driving back from Chamonix the year before last, when the mountains stopped the sat nav working, I thought, God, I'm not How am I going to get to Rotterdam? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not still driving around there and you got back, <laughs> got back home. Um, and yeah, just, um, keep doing what you're doing. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and well, you bring a lot of people, a lot of joy. Thank you.